Thank you for downloading Taxpayer Beware. This podcast was created by the California Tax Education Council, a nonprofit organization required by the state of California to protect you against fraud and help you find a legally qualified tax professional. There are 40,000 tax preparers registered with the council, also known as CRTPs. CRTPs are one of only four tax professionals approved by the state to do your taxes. Anyone doing business who hasn't met state requirements is breaking the law. And there are thousands doing just that. Now here's your host, Brandon Chanley. Hi, I'm Brandon Chanley, Chair of the California Tax Education Council, or CTEC for short. Welcome to the Taxpayer Beware podcast. Today's episode, you're facing a tax issue. Now what? So it can happen to the most honest of us. It could be fraud. It could be a financial issue, but it happened. You're in a taxing situation. And I think the first thing anybody would ask is, is there anything I can do about it? What can be done? Joining, joining us for more insight today is Steve Sims. So I'm going to go through Steve's resume here in case people don't know who Steve is, but I have a feeling by this, most of you probably have heard the name. Uh, Steve's an award-winning, nationally recognized California income tax expert. He's also an enrolled agent and has over 32 years of experience with the Franchise Tax Board, most notably his seven years as the taxpayer advocate. He also served as the director of state and local tax controversy in KPMG's Sacramento office for two years. Steve is now an independent consultant helping taxpayers facing state tax problems. Some of this includes helping clients get certain penalties waived or helping them through collection issues, issues a lot of us didn't even know we could negotiate. And let's be honest, California's income tax laws are definitely complicated. Um, Oh, definitely. Yeah. In some cases, you really do need a professional to help you out. If not in all cases, I think it's uh, advantageous to have a professional. So let's, we we want to bring you on to kind of talk, you know, about your experience, things that you've seen. Um, So let's kind of start out with, um, you know, your work as a taxpayer advocate for the Franchise Tax Board. So you did that for about seven years. Um, If you could just share with the audience, what were some of the typical issues you dealt with and maybe the most common uh, that people people may have? Oh, okay. Uh, Well, first of all, I became taxpayer advocate in 2008. And um, uh, the advocates have been around a lot longer than that. But once I became the advocate, you know, they wanted the advocate to be a little more visible, want to be out working with the public, with uh, business owners, with tax practitioners. I participated in a lot of, you know, I did a lot of speeches throughout the year. So um, I basically put myself out there and in a position to kind of like hear of uh, many of the issues that you're referring to. Um, first of all, it's important that that people understand the role of the taxpayer advocate. Basically, the advocate is to make sure taxpayers' rights are protected, right? I mean, just they have what's called the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to uh, allow you to go to the website, or I think one of the other podcasts is going to have the actual advocate on, the current advocate, you know, on the cast. But they have the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. So uh, what that means, that means different things to different people, unfortunately. Um, for the most part, before you, like, involve the advocate, you're supposed to have tried normal channels. When normal channels fail, you go to the advocate because it's it's not that big of a unit. And if all the taxpayers that are having issues go straight to the taxpayer advocate, they'd be overwhelmed. So in many cases, you know, you may try to go to the advocate and uh, if you haven't taken certain actions on your own, if you came straight to them, then they might redirect you to another resource, which is which they actually have to do because otherwise they wouldn't be able to, to handle their workload. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, now as an advocate, some of the cases that I got involved in, um, 
They were, uh, there's, there's definitely a need just to give you some of the ones that, that I, that I really felt good in being able to help out, you know, a taxpayer. Uh, there was one employer, uh, this guy, he was, he was an employer. He had tax issues with regard to his business. Uh, he had balances due, but he also had maybe like about 15 employees. And what he would do by on, when it's time to do payroll, he would move money to his bank account so that the money would be able to cover the payroll for the employees. Well, Franchise Tax Board, uh, the involuntary collection cycle, basically that's when, you know, it's pretty much computer assigned. You know, it, it'll check bank accounts and other, you know, properties, and it's done automated. It doesn't really, you know, know that you have employees. Bottom line is Franchise Tax Board pretty much levied his bank account, <laughs> and his employees were getting ready to go and try to cash their checks, and money wasn't there. So... Uh, Franchise Tax Board and the IRS, basically, they have a provision that basically prevents them from levying funds that were intended for payroll. So he was able to come to the advocate. He didn't have time to go to collections because payroll was the very next day. So fortunately, he was able to get a hold of myself. And we were able to, of course, request some documents like prior payroll to show that, okay, how much did you pay in payroll last week or last pay period? Because, I mean, if, 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 you know, the amount of the current payroll is 20000 and then we, in the franchise tax board, takes 40000 and he, then we go to him and say, well, how much is your payroll? And he says 40000 If he can't show that he paid 40000 prior, then they'll only release the amount that he paid before, unless he's able to show that there were new hires. So that was a situation where payroll was basically delayed just one day to get that money freed up. But that, that was a good example right there. So that was an example where the business owner actually came to you as well. Well, he's, it was, yeah, I was a small yeah. business owner. Yeah. You have to understand. I mean, there's, there, this guy was not a big employer. He's right. a small business owner, yeah. uh, which a lot of your people listening, probably everybody almost owns a, a small business now of some sort, right? Not all of them mm-hmm. have employees, but most people have small businesses. Um, and a mistake he made also was, he had some personal taxes due, and he didn't separate his bank account. So he had his personal stuff in his business bank account. It was kind of a mess, but, you know, again, he was able to get the payroll from the prior period, and we freed up the money. Another case involving an individual is there's a, 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 just a taxpayer, a lady. She's older, elderly, of course, a senior citizen. Um, she's on Social Security only, and that's how she survives. However, she needs the help of her son. So her son basically was on her bank account to help write checks and, you know, get the funds that she needed. But what she didn't know is that the son had his own tax liabilities and she didn't have anything to do with it. And so his name was on that bank account. So they contacted me because they didn't know what to do because it was time for her to pay her rent. And they took the son's tax liability out of her bank account. So they came to me and we were able to show that, no, he's just on that account to help take care of his, his mom and that the funds that went into that account were only Social Security. So I did have to get like at least one month's bank statement to show what was deposited in there. Because once again, you have people that will try to use, you know, the grandmother's bank account to put their own money in there thinking that um, they won't touch it because it's not my bank account. So, you know, word there is, uh, if, if someone has tax liabilities due, don't put them on your bank account. 
guilt, yeah. guilt by association, right? You're all going right, you know, because <laughs> uh, this whole product, involuntary collect, it's, it's automated. No one's going to call you up and say, hey, uh, is this your money? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they're not going to do that. They see the money there. Your name's on the account. They're going to, they'll hold it, though. They don't just transfer the money over. What happens is the bank puts a hold on the money, and they notify you, and you have a certain number of days, usually seven to ten days, to get back to the bank and say, hey, you know, that, that don't don't send that money over there. And then the bank is going to say, well, you're going to have to get released from Franchise Tax Board. And that basically has to happen. But sometimes they don't find out about that hold for like two or three days. They went by before. And now you're down to like they're going to send the money in like three or four days, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have time to go to collections. You don't have time to go to normal channels. Because, I mean, at certain points in time, it's, it's really difficult to get through. Uh, and I'm sure everyone's experiencing that. And, and, and you know, the, the employees at the Franchise Tax Board and the IRS, I, I'll be honest, they are doing the best they can. And they are quite friendly when you get a hold of them. The, the only problem is, you know, it's, you, you just, it's just tough. They're, they're overwhelmed in terms of calls coming in. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you hit on a good point there. You know, I, I think the first thing that happens if anybody's contacted by FTB or the IRS, I mean, it's instant panic. You know, you, you get a letter and you're just like, what in the world do I do? What's going on? How can I help? You know, how can I be helped? And I think people think, well, if I just throw the letter away or just move on, it'll just disappear. Uh, so I think it's great. I mean, like you're saying, you know, the name name says it all advocate. You know, you're you're there to try to help them through the process. Right. right. And there's certain situations where, you, you know, you really I, you, you can't help. Yeah. Uh, there's one case where, and this guy, he's a friend of mine, and uh, he was in construction, and he just kind of worked under the table, right? And uh, just, you know, but at the same time, he had tax liabilities that were due. And he met the woman of his dreams. You know, she was an airline pilot. She made a lot of money. She had a lot of withholding taken out. She was used to getting anywhere between like a fifteen dollars to $20,000 refund each year. Okay. She was used to that. And he, uh, so they got married and her first year they were married, they filed a joint return. <laughs> now, if you file a joint return and there's a refund due on that return, it doesn't matter that, you know, cause he called me up, you know, what can you do, man? I mean, it's my liability. She, she, you know, I got that before she got married and I'm like, look, dude, she, you filed a joint return that, that refund, <laughs> that's community property. You know, he goes, Oh man, you know, you know, she's going to, she's going to kill me. I'm like, well, you can't sleep on my couch because I don't want to get hit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there was nothing I could do. And right. he goes, are you sure? I go, no, there's nothing, man. I mean, you know, she should never, uh, she should, you know, she should never file a joint return. You know, file married filing separate next time is what I told him. Needless to say, she divorced him and they never filed another tax oh, return again. Oh, my. But he didn't disclose. He didn't predict. He, he had all kinds of issues. I was at the wedding. I started to tell her, but you know, not my business. Yeah. Yeah. Too <laughs> late then. <laughs> no, but yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, there's the, you know, you're there to help, but there, you sometimes you can't help. I mean, no, it's plain and simple. It still needs to be within the, the regulations of the IRS and, and franchise tax board and California state law for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the advocate basically has a, a lot of, attitudes it's 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 a very powerful office and there's things that you can do you have direct contact with all of the program areas you you can actually shine light on an issue that really needs to be resolved as soon as possible you know many times i kind of disagreed with the action that had been taken but just because i disagree doesn't mean they change it you know uh, a couple times i give some additional information and a change gets made 
And then sometimes it's just, you know, they says, hey, Steve, we've looked at this and, and there's nothing that we can do. But, uh, you know, the point you make is that, yeah, you have to operate within the parameters. Um, there's, there's um, even though it's an, it's an advocate, you know, and you report directly to the executive officer, you still have certain constraints. Let's kind of switch gears. So, I, I'm, you know, that's kind of what you did as a taxpayer advocate. And I know now that you're, um, you know, independent and, and doing some things on your own, doing some consulting and helping taxpayers. Um, let's just talk a little bit about, you know, how, how are you helping taxpayers now? What are some of the issues that you see and, and things you're helping them with? Okay, good. Okay, so currently, when, now when you say taxpayers, I know, I know our audience, there's, there's just your average taxpayer here that, that's, that's, you know, maybe self-employed, right. maybe a W-2 worker, but just in case we have business owners that, yeah. Yeah. you know, I just kind of want to give it a general description of kind of what I do. Like, although I was the California taxpayer advocate, uh, as you said in my bio, you know, I'm an enrolled agent, so... I basically, I kind of handle uh, pretty much everything. I work with issues involving the Internal Revenue Service, California Franchise Tax Board, EDD, California Department of Tax and Fee Administration, formerly known as the Board of Equalization. The only thing I don't work with is child support because I've had some people, child support is really, really tough to undo and and there's nothing that's going to make that go away. You can't bankrupt it. You know, you got, you know, some people come to me, hey, can you work on this? Uh, You know, my kid is 32 years old and I'm still, (laughs) well, you're not paying it because you haven't paid it. The problem is they're still looking for it. Mm -hmm. So there's special, I don't touch child support, but some of the things I do touch, um, I get a lot of, I get a lot of work from people who get filing enforcement notices, meaning uh, California found out that you have a, a, let me turn this off just one second. Because, all right, California has basically um, a filing enforcement program where, you know, you have taxpayers that just don't think they have a, they, they need to file or they, they basically know they need to file, but they don't file. California is very sophisticated in terms of being able to determine if you may or may not have a filing obligation. So they send notices to taxpayers. Says, hey, it looks as though uh, you, you have a mortgage and you paid X amount in mortgage interest but we don't see where you filed the tax return. Right. Um, how is it that you could pay this mortgage and not pay taxes? Of course, you know, they cleaned it up. It's a lot nicer than that, but that's basically what they're saying. That's what they're, because I mean, and then you have to file, get back to them and say, well, yeah, but I don't pay the mortgage. Somebody else do it. There, there's reasons why people could have a mortgage expense um, and still not have a filing requirement. Their income could not be taxable, but the bottom line is they'll contact you, ask you, and, and and sometimes they actually do. Oh, so I get a lot of people like I just I'm I'm working on one now where uh, finally the taxpayer moved around, moved around. Now they have a really good job, but they haven't filed taxes since 2013. Ooh. Right, 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 right. So then you know what what happens? And and this one happened at the federal level because the federal they get their W twos and the federal what they'll do is they'll they'll do a return. It's called a substitute return, mm-hmm. not you actually filing it. FTB does the same thing, but they're filing an ultimate program. But bottom line is you don't get any deductions for the most part. So the tax is going to be like huge. So IRS basically had set him up for 2013 all the way up to 2018 with substitute returns that basically had him owing based on, because this guy was, uh, he was a W-2 person and he, has a, he had 1099 says he was self-employed in construction. So his substitute returns had a total 
total tax liability of like $278,000 approximately. It's a lot of money, right? But that was based on them. You know, he, he basically had like, in one case, he had like $150,000, 1099 because he did some work. But he, there's, there's expenses that are associated with that as a construction worker, right? You, you, I mean, he's a general contractor. So bottom line is I had to do the returns, basically create the real returns, and basically it changed that. Because with, with penalties and interest, that tax liability went above 300000 Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So I was able to get it down to like about 200000 But at the same time, I went ahead and tried to – I'm kind I'm of going through an offering compromise trying to get them to settle for a smaller amount. Um, you know, and that, that's, that's a good point there too, Steve, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, just kind of thinking about that, I think that's okay. My wife interrupts me. all the hey. <laughs> You know, I think you can run into those situations where, you know, the penalty and interest and, and things that are due and, and owed looks completely terrifying to someone. Um, however, I mean, the IRS will work with you as long as you're showing some good faith to, to make it right. Is, am I accurate in saying that? Uh, you're, you're extremely accurate on that. And I'll be honest, and, and you know, uh, three of the years I didn't know were substitute returns. I was actually preparing his offer after having done uh, some of the other years, you know, and uh, uh, the revenue officer, uh, OIC officer, what, whatever her title is, she basically says, you do realize that some of these, these other uh, older years right here, those are substitute returns. So I had to go back in and, and do those three years returns, and that's what knocks some more money off. You know, mm-hmm. um, so, so yeah, I mean, they, I would not have noticed that because those were so far back, I would have missed it. And she, she pointed that out and it, it took care of about, you know, about another hundred thousand, you know, or close to it, like 75 or something like that. Wow. So, and the same with franchise tax board, you know, here's the thing, tax agencies, basically they, they have a bad rep that goes back maybe like 40, 50, 60 years. And, and, and I don't know if it was deserved or not. But, you know, even way before I left, you know, uh, people that work for the tax agencies, you have to understand, they don't get a break on their taxes, right? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, if they work for JCPenney's or Macy's, you get 10% discount or something like that. You don't get anything. No. And they also find themselves sometimes in tax situations where they actually owe. So, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Every once in a while you get a little hater that says, well, shoot, I got to pay my taxes. You pay your, I mean, the, right. those, those are far and few in between. And I basically haven't come across any of those. And anytime I'm working with the government staff or tax agency staff, they're more than willing to help. I mean, and so they're, they're, they're there for you. I mean, even the collectors, you know, every once in a while, some of them might've had a bad day and they, you know, <laughs> you know, they answer the phone, hello, what do you want? No, they don't say it like that, but that's the feeling you get. But, right. but the bottom line is you talk to them right and they talk to you right. The mistake that some people make, and I kid you not, it happens all the time, is that they try to get rough, verbally rough with, with the person on the phone with the government agency. They are not in the, they're not paid to take, you know, a whole bunch of screaming at, name calling, and you still have people that will try to do that, you know, threaten their, you know, but here's one thing they don't do anymore. They don't threaten to go get their congressman because they know that's a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they, so they, they reside themselves and just kind of talking trash, you know, and right. they'll hang up on your government agent employee. They'll hang up on you in a second. You have to have a professional, a professional will navigate you through this process and help you. I think that's the bottom line here is, 
Well, well, okay, so now you're talking about a professional. Okay, you're right. In certain cases, that's a huge mistake that's made sometimes is where a taxpayer will try to resolve something and they'll make it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they think that they can do it themselves. There is a definite need for a professional in certain instances. You know, towards the end there, we'll talk about some things that they can do. Uh, themselves, but but you brought up a good point. You know, hiring a professional, but you have to hire the right professional. You understand what I mean by that? I mean, there are people that uh, like there's certain things I don't touch because, and I, I've I've worked a lot. I work a lot of different stuff, but I don't you know, certain like unitary issues I don't touch, and that's that's like very complex corporate reporting. You know, multiple states. Don't get me wrong, I can. Do it, but I don't trust myself to be able to, it would just be too much for me. I don't have enough, I'm, I'm self-employed by myself. I don't have the resources to run it through a review. And so I don't take certain types of work, but you do have people that will take work that they don't understand. I'm cleaning something up right now. Someone said they needed returns done. Uh, this guy was an entertainer. He went and he got his returns done, you know, by, by his cousin's sister's baby mama. I don't know who it was, but the bottom line is, <laughs> They basically, you know, they did tax returns. But what he didn't tell them was that he had, yeah, sure, he had W-2s, but he also had an S-corp on the side that that basically had income too, but he hadn't filed his corporate returns, and an S-corp basically has to blow through the income to the individual. So she did those returns based only on the W-2. And so those returns are wrong. Because he didn't include, she didn't include all of the income that he has. They're they're all wrong. Now I don't know what he paid, but now I'm, this was a guy that I talked to just last week, and you know, on the go forward, uh, I can work with him, but you know, I I can't do anything with those older returns. He wants me to get his corporation back up, you know, and that's you know, suspended corporations is another thing that I work with, you know, or suspended LLCs, but. Bottom line is, you know, you, you're right. You have to go to the a tax professional in certain situations and a tax professional that kind of, you know, they know, they know their limitations. There are certain things that, that they, they shouldn't touch. You can, you can get over your skis pretty quick. In oh, industry. real quick, real quick. You know, um, you know, just like I said, there's still stuff I don't really mess with. You know, I just don't. The learning curve is too, too expensive for me. You know, sure I could do it, but after doing all my research and everything, I, you know, I'm, I'm paid three dollars and fifty cents an hour for doing that you know it's like i can't i can't work like that yeah yeah i think i think people jump into situations like oh yeah i can do this return and then it's holy cow what am i doing well we'll see if this sticks well sometimes (laughs) sometimes it's it's really not the practitioner's problem and sometimes it's just the taxpayer not disclosing Mm -hmm. everything that they have going you know i basically do my consultations, not in writing. I do them over the phone and I'm telling them, I'm like, look, you need to tell me, you know, you need to tell me, don't, don't think that you can tell me and make up an excuse. I'm going to find out. I'm going to do a transcript. I'm going to find out what sources of income the government thinks that you have. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't, you might as well tell me, tell me now. Cause I mean, it's like, it's not like I'm going to give you a price and, and, and if the facts change, that price is going to stay the same. Because if you know if you're gonna like shortchange me in terms of the information and I'm having to do additional steps that I didn't know I was gonna have to do, then you've got a choice to make. You know, um, tax co- you know tax controversy work is something that you don't you know you don't put that you don't put it on layaway. You get a retainer or a fixed fee paid in advance because you know if they haven't paid the government, I, you know they're, right. they're not gonna pay you. So 
Always be upfront when you're talking with your tax professional, if you're going to have one, so that they can properly diagnose. Ooh, that sounded pretty good, huh? Like a doctor. But okay. anyway, properly diagnose your situation or your problem and make sure that they can move forward with what's actually needed to, to get you on, you know, back in good standing. I think there's like a movie quote somewhere, right? Like, help me help you. Help you. Yeah, show me the money and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that would fit in this situation. Yeah, it, and I've actually used that line before. Help me to help you to help, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the bottom, at the end of the day, you know, you and the taxpayer presenting something to the IRS to be, you know, received by them and, and you know, scrutinized by them, so to speak, but you're, you're presenting it to them. Right. And I'm gonna give a tip too for, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to, I was going to lead into. That's great. Give us some, some, some tips our audience can leave with here for sure. Yeah. Cause I don't know how long we have, you know, and, um, but, but some tips first, first tip that's, that's a continuation of, of what I was getting ready to say was, well, first tip is, like I said, is to be upfront and, and sometimes, you know, just make sure you explain your situation. Um, you know, tell them that you don't know what you don't know. If you don't guess, I was talking to the guy just yesterday on another issue. I says, are you an S corporation or a C corporation? And he goes, uh, so Lucy said, ah, I knew he didn't know, you know, yeah. pump the brakes. Don't no, don't, don't say that. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm a C corporation. No, no, you don't think uh, what I do going forward. You know, we can we can figure it out, but don't don't give information if you don't know. Say you don't know when it, when you're working with people. You know, when you're working with someone that's trying to work with you, make sure you do not um, try to um, you know just just not share some information. It's best to be upfront. Um, now, also keep in mind that as a tax professional, we're li- there's certain things that if you tell us, you know, we might have to walk away from it just because of our our, our ethics. You know, you know, it's like, well, you know, I you know, I, I got this drug business on the side, and I don't want to, you know, <laughs> like, well, you know, I don't want to hear that, you know, right? Because I, I can't. I mean, basically, I I can do a tax return because you know, illegal. Income still has to be reported, but you can't deduct any expenses. Mm-hmm. But no one, no one wants to do that. So you have to be careful. You know, uh, I'm not advocating hide your money, but I'm saying if I'm your tax professional, I want you to be honest. But but make sure you understand that I can't move forward with anything that's going to jeopardize my license or, or put me in a, in a situation where, you know, I'm culpable and you know, yep. I, you know I can get in trouble too. So you know that. When I say be honest, I'm also saying make sure what it is that you're telling them is something that's not going to cause them, you know, I mean, if you want to be 100% upfront, but nobody is, I'm going to say that nobody is 100% upfront. You just don't know, you know, um, you just don't know that someone's being 100% upfront. And so you, as a practitioner, you have to assume that there's other stuff you don't know about, but, you know, I'm comfortable moving forward, you know, generally with whoever I'm. That, that contacts me only one time I, I kind of bailed right in the middle of of representation because the taxpayer basically uh, uh, it was the IRS I believe they they wanted the guy's financial statements I mean his bank statements right to show that how you spend your money and I got the bank statements and this guy owed like I don't know I bought a million in taxes so this guy had Ooh. bank statements and 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 what's the place that shows the blue bo- the, the, the teal uh Tiffany's. So yeah. there was, there was receipt, there was bank stage Tiffany's and it was like some huge, large amounts. And he was saying, trying to say he couldn't afford to pay. I'm <laughs> like, man, I mean, your bank statements, you're at Tiffany's here. That's a $20,000 purchase. What was that? 
And he goes, well, don't send them that page. I'm like, what? Yeah. Just, just <laughs> remove that one, huh? Yeah. Just, uh, you know, bank statements say page one of 10. So, you know, you're going to leave out three pages and they're going to, I says, no, I can't do that. So I says, I can move forward with this, but I will have to send all pages. And he goes, okay, well, thank you very much. You know, I'm not going to need your services no more. I let him fire me, yeah, which is not okay. Worth not a, worth it for you. No way. Not worth it. Plus he paid me up front, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you can't expect me. And that's part of my, my, um, my statement of work agreement is like, you know, I'm not, if you uh, misrepresent yourself and you want to pull out, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have to give back everything you gave me. If there's, if there's a, a m- money left on the retainer, sure, I'll refund that. But for the work I've done, no, you just can't, you know, pull out like that. Yep. All right. Second thing that I want to, a uh, tip I want to give is for those taxpayers that are seeing those commercials that say, you know, do you owe IRS $10,000 for, just a second, uh, do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more? And, you know, we can settle for you for pennies on the dollar, right? You've seen that stuff, right? Yep, yep. Um, I'm not trying to take away from their necessary, necessarily from their business, but you have to keep in mind that uh, in many cases, what I'm finding out, because I do get some residual from the pennies on 99 cents is pennies on the dollar. You understand? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and there's fees that are associated with, you know, with having them represent you. And, and in many cases, all they're doing is putting you on an installment a payment arrangement. And many times you can do that yourself. You don't need um, a practitioner. I mean, a lot of people don't need uh, professional help to do uh, a payment arrangement, especially if you don't have to do anything except, I mean, you're a W-2 worker, you've paid, you know, you filed your tax returns, you just haven't been able to pay what's due, you know, just, you can go online and, uh, uh, do an installment agreement yourself. Yep. If, if you can pay it off within five years, and, and when you do that, make sure you set the monthly payment as something you can afford. Start low. It'll tell you if that's not enough. That, that's not enough. Then you put another amount in. You know. <laughs> then then you. Know, but you, you can do it yourself. So some of that offer and compromise. They'll it'll start out with pennies on the dollar. Then they'll take a look at. They'll evaluate your situation. And they'll come up with the fact that, well, you know, we can't do an offer for you, but we can get you on a payment arrangement, something that's comfortable for you. You could have done that yourself. So definitely do your research. Research before you just jump in and have somebody look at these cases. Make sure you're you're yeah. to the right folks. Do your research on it. Well, right. let me define research for, for, for most people. Yeah. Because that, that's one of those words. I mean, research. Yep. here's the thing. Uh, if the government feels that they can collect that money from you, I mean, don't forget, there's a 10-year statute of limitations for federal, a 20-year statute of limitations for state. If they feel they can collect that money for you before statute runs, they're not going to give you an offer. Unless there's some extenuating circumstances. Like, if you're a 25-year-old person and, you know, sure, you might not have a degree or you might have a degree. It doesn't really matter. You're 25 without significant health issues or anything like that. You're going to live a long time. They're probably not going to sell for pennies on the dollar. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's there's cases where they have uh, settled, but usually there's some extenuating circumstances that allows the IRS to say, okay, we'll go ahead and take you know, but you know, it's it's they're they're not giving them you know five cents. I mean, five yeah, five cents on the dollar, ten cents on the dollar, 
it's not as it appears to be. And, and mm-hmm. it's not always an offer and compromise. It's like when you go in, you know, you know, and they try to talk you into buying a Porsche when you went in to get a, a Volkswagen, but it's kind of like a reverse type of thing. You end up with something you didn't go in there for. Gotcha. All right. Um, other thing, um, that, let me get some notes here. Uh, filing your tax return. Now, now, this is one where practitioners get upset with me because, you know, I'm like taking money out of your pocket. Some people don't realize that um, they can like, do free filing themselves. I mean, since I am talking to, like regular taxpayers, if you're a W-2 employee, both IRS and franchise tax, well, they got free programs out there. You don't have to go to a tax preparer because, I mean, you have to understand, for me to run my software, just to do your return can cost anywhere from $75 to $150, depending on what I'm doing. Um, just your basic return is probably going to cost me at least 50 bucks just to run the software, you know, because they charge you per return. And you and, and so I've got friends and, you know, like people who I know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, their, their tax situation is not complicated. I got to go see my CPA. I'm like, well, why? To do my taxes. I'm like, well, why? What do you, what do, you do? So why don't you just do it online yourself? So I asked, I, I totally have made comments and I recommend it. If your tax situation is, is pretty much your W-2 employee and you're not filing long form, and even if you are in some cases, you can, you can pretty much use an online program with the government, with IRS and the um, Franchise Tax Board where you basically file your own return. You don't have to pay anything. Same scenario there too. Uh, people can get over their skis pretty quick, so make sure you're make sure they know what they're doing. I, I, I'm talking about the very simple ones. Yeah, I'm yeah. Talking about you. like you know, you just you know, you just work for an employer, one employer, you and your wife, one employer. You got W twos. You don't have your itemized deductions, and I mean, there are things that if once you start itemizing that you know, and if you have a Schedule C, then I think you do need to be careful. I don't think you should do uh, your own return if you've got. Yeah, uh, if you're self-employed, you know, yeah. especially if you've got, you know, not a significant income. Let's say that word, significant income. You, you yeah. might want to get help because you're not, you may not be writing off everything you're entitled to. Yeah, those Uber, Lyft drivers, things like that. They can, they can get into some. They can definitely well, hurt themselves. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, because the thing is, they they're, they're self-employed, and yeah. you know, what most people that are self-employed don't realize is you've got to document your expenses. Absolutely. Your income, your income is tracked electronically, so there's got to be no question on that. You know, so you know your your expenses, you've got to document them. You've you've got to properly document them, and that that has to be done throughout the year. You know, you can't wait to the end of the year and say, oh, just put me down for this. I mean, you're supposed to be, that's supposed to be supported by mileage logs and things like that. And that's any business where you're using your vehicle, you know, uh, and that's, that's a good segue into my, my next thing. If you are self-employed, you know, just keep track of your expenses. I mean, you know, they've got like apps for your phone where you could take pictures or receipts and, and things like that. Or if you want to do old school getaway and just throw it in a shoebox, you know, every month and, and then, you know, it's going to take you a while, right, to, to do that at the end of the year. But you save your receipts. Um, as Just dump, author, dump that shoebox right on your desk, right? Not mine. I don't do stuff like that. <laughs> you, 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 you try that stuff. They have food and stuff on the receipts, man. I right. ate spaghetti. I mean, it's got mold on it because they had it in January last year. Oh, we laugh, <laughs> but you know, keep keep your receipts. Keep track. That's a good right. tip. Great tip. No doubt. No doubt. And so. Uh, again, like I guess I can pretty much talk about this stuff all day and I don't want to like just keep, 
you know, keep it going. And, you know, I apologize if I joke too much, man, I can't help it. You know, that's, that Gigi knows that's my style. Hey, I mean, taxes are stressful enough, right? And if you have to be stuffy and, and really tight about it, that, that makes it worse. So we might as well have some fun with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess another tip, well, I just saw my notes. Hey, you know, if you're getting married and you're, you know, you're, you know, if you're marrying, if you're not like 16 or 17 getting married like Romeo and Juliet, you know, there's probably going to be some history with each of you with regard to, you know, your financial past. And, and, and that's one of the things I think people should be upfront with. And, you know, they might not want to give details, but uh, before you get married and file a joint return, well, I, I, you can get married, just don't file a joint return with them. Um, you want to because like the situation I gave earlier where the mm-hmm. lady was waiting for her refund, it's okay to get married. It shouldn't be one of those things that stops you from getting married, but make sure you file marriage filing separate. California's a community property state, so you still have to be careful of being of being required to like, you know, split income, but there's situations where you just claim your income and he claims his because you don't know what he's doing. So you just claim yours and he claims his. So there there is an argument that can be made for you to not have to take on half of the other person's income. So that's, that's a huge one right there. I mean, that's a pretty easy question, right? I think, I mean, if you ask anybody that pays taxes, right. Mm-hmm. When they do the return, if you ask them, how much did you get back last year? I guarantee they can almost pull that dollar amount within the dollar and know what it is. Or if they owe, they definitely can tell you how much they owed last year. So I think that's a good one. Ask, ask your spouse before you get married. Hey, how much did you get in your refund last year? Yeah, well, unfortunately, Brandon, it's not that simple. Because <laughs> I, I, I told you a minute ago where someone hadn't filed a tax return since. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got I mean, those. You got. Yeah, those. yeah. I mean, that's what, you got a lot of those, dude. I mean, I'm, I mean, I gave one for 2013. Um, I, I can't give a percentage because I don't have a clue. I just know a high volume of the work that I get are people that that are not current, mm-hmm. you know, or they filed a tax return and they are they think they're current. But uh, they get audited two years later, and so you're getting audited for a 2018 or 2019 tax return, and, and they found out that you cheated really bad, and now you've got a $100,000 liability on that return, right? So when you, when you got married, you thought everything was good, so you married this person, right? And then, they, then you file a joint return with them the next year. But then this old liability from when you weren't married to them comes up. And what that means is you won't get your refund if, <laughs> if you file the joint return. So it can be complicated. It's really, mm-hmm. it's really, and this is something that happens way more often than you realize. People don't talk about tax problems. Yep. They don't like to. You know, they're embarrassing. It's like the dirty little secret nobody wants to talk about. But it about. is, man. The scarlet letter, man. You got the big I, the big R, the big S on your forehead. You know, it's like, you know, scarlet letters. Or FTB. No one talks about it. It's very, and it's, you know what? And because because of confidentiality rules, you can't call the IRS and say, "Hey, you know, does my future husband, does my future wife, how much do they owe?" Now, sure, you can request each other's transcripts and take a look at them. Let's open this up, you know. But I mean, how, how good is that for a relate? How romantic is that, right? You know, sitting down with a glass of wine. <laughs> let's, let's let's go over our tax transcripts. <laughs> that's worse than signing a prenup <laughs> think, think, things you'll never hear right i, right, I, think, yeah. I think we're going to see that happen yeah anyways all right you got one more one more tip for us one more tip let me look at my list here because there's always plenty oh uh 
Don't hesitate to use the taxpayer advocate if it's a situation where time is of the essence. I know I started off by saying, uh, you know, you got to go through normal channels, but I did give some examples, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the, the, the payroll, you know, the, the, the woman that needed to pay her rent, but her, you know. Uh, but when you call them up, make sure you, you know, you explain the urgency of the situation, the timeliness, and, uh, you know, be, be cordial, be nice, you know, uh, crying doesn't really help either. I mean, they'll feel sorry for you, but you know, you didn't it. get them in that situation. You're just right. trying to help them. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, right. I tried to cry thing myself, but didn't work either. Didn't so. work. Yeah. That, that doesn't get me anywhere either. All right. Well, Steve, I thank you. This is this has been fun. I think you've shared some good tips and and really explained what taxpayer advocate is and and what you do now and what you see now and and you know people can get in situations. It can be a taxing situation. You, you can be very stressed and worried what's going on, but you just know that there is help out there. There is, uh, and there's and there is certain things that you yourself can do. You know, yeah. it's not going and and always always open that envelope. Okay, that's the okay. That's yes. the final tip. You yes. get a letter from the government. It just don't don't file it. Don't throw it away. Open it up. You need to see where you're at. Because yep. one day you're going to go to use your ATM and it's going to start laughing at you. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the IRS doesn't send those by mistake. No, they don't. It's <laughs> tax board. And franchise tax board, they'll, they'll, they'll find it way before the IRS finds it. Yep. So, sure. so yeah, don't, don't ignore it. You know, uh, do something with it. Great. Awesome, Steve. Well, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. All right, Brandon. You, Gigi, you guys all take care. All right. And as always, everybody, if you have more questions or want to find more tips, please visit the CTEC website, ctec.org. Thank you.